So this week we're continuing our sermon series at the table. And, and you know, we, we've looked in week one, we kind of looked at food because if you're talking about a table, you, you got to have food. It's about that food and that fellowship that we have together. And then last week we kind of asked that question, will you sit at the table? You know, uh, we, we looked at Jesus' parable of the great banquet and we saw how all these people were invited in to come and join the banquet and, and have this huge feast. And then they came up with excuses. And, and we kind of talked about how we ourselves use these excuses in our own life to, to get out of something we really don't want to do. And I got to apologize to John because, you know, last week I told one of, the, you know, one of my, well, you know, something important came up. And if you look back on John's phone in a text message, he's probably got that same excuse for me, where, where I said, oh man, something important came up. I'm not going to be able to be there tonight. And unfortunately, we all use his excuses. And what we saw in, in the parable that Jesus spoke last week was there were many people who were invited to the banquet who will never taste the feast. They're, they're not going to be able to taste it. They're not going to be able to feel that goodness of God because they made excuses for not going to the feast. And see, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, you know, as we looked at that story and you look at who Jesus invited, he invited people who were the, I guess you could say undesirables. You know, it was the deaf, the deaf, deaf, lame. It, it, it was those who weren't at the top of society. And I think sometimes we get caught up being the Pharisee or that religious elite because we, we try and just take care of the people who would take care of us. You know, we try and look out for the people who may be a little more power in life. And we tend to look past the people who need the love of Jesus the most. And we, we get so caught up on, man, does my table look good? Man, are they going to be impressed when they come in my house? Man, I hope they really like this 17-course meal I prepared. You know, we get so caught up on details and what someone may think about us that we forget on what we're actually doing it for. And unfortunately, each one of us, you know, as we have a banquet or we have something at our own house, you know, we all have that one person we have to invite that we really don't want to invite. See, all of y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Y'all can think of that one person you don't want to invite to a meal. And honestly, if you can't think of anyone, that person might be you that everyone else thinks about not inviting to a meal. Just so you know, I may be that person. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but we're all joking aside. I think as, as Christ followers, some things that we need to understand, and I think we need to understand that that God created humanity with two needs. There's two things that each of us need. We need to eat and we need to have a relationship. And I think the table brings both of those needs together. 
At the table, we get that time to be able to eat, but we also get that time of relationship with other people. And so many times, unfortunately, we look past exactly that. And I think we need to understand that the table is a place for us to share our experiences. It's a place for us to be vulnerable, encouraging, and also a place to restore, a place where we can restore others. And that's exactly what you're going to see in today's scripture. You're going to see vulnerability, but you're also going to see restoration. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open up to John chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. Um, But as always, it will be up here on the screen. And for those of us joining us for church online, um, hey, real quick, let's give it up for those watching church online. Hey, we want to thank you guys for being here with us. And and just a reminder from me to you, don't let this be a replacement from you being connected to a local church. You know, through that connection with the local church is where we're able to work on our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. So whether it's this church or another church, I know there's people who join us for church online that don't live in this area, but don't stop being connected to a local church someplace. We enjoy you guys being here but make sure you stay connected. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with that being said, John chapter 21, we're going to be in verses 1 through 17, so it's a lot of reading this morning. So let's go ahead and get started so we can dig in to God's word. So John 21 says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went, went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved, and he asked him that he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. So Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, and, and we look to see what your word talks to us about, about being at this table, Lord. Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And may your word never return void, and may your name be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, we, we see one of Jesus' appearance to his disciples. It actually says this is the third time he's appeared to him since his resurrection. And, and, and you think about this whole story is pretty, it's got some symbolic beauty, beauty to it. You, you've got Peter, James, John, and other disciples all gathered together by the Sea of Galilee, and, and their condition had to be restless. Think about what they'd just gone through. This is the third time since Jesus rose from the dead, so still on their mind is the death on the cross. They, they saw their Savior, they saw their leader die on a cross. And, and, and then they've seen now, they know he's alive, but the problem is he appears to them and then disappears. He's, he's not like staying with them like he spent the three years by their side. So you know they got to be relentless and uh, restless, and they got to be sitting here, you know, looking at this tragedy, and, and everything just is perplexed, it's unsettled, it just doesn't make sense. Kind of sounds like the world today, doesn't it? It's kind of unsettled, it's perplexed, it doesn't make sense what's going on in the world today. So we as the disciples are in this confused state. You see, and unfortunately, you know, here as us as mankind, we're able to fly like a bird on an airplane, but we can't walk a right path. We're able to get over all kinds of things. We can, we figured out how to get a man to the moon, but we can't get over our own personal vices. We can't get past violence. We can't get past addictions. We can't get past just things of this world and the, and the sin that's inside this world. But we're supposed to be that much better. But we're still caught up in the same way that, that the disciples were caught up after Jesus' death and resurrection. We still have that confusion. We're still unsettled. We still don't know what's going to happen in the world today. And I think the secret to overcoming all of that is listening to what the Savior's got to say. Come and dine. Come and dine. That's actually how the King James Version put this scripture today. Come and dine with me. See, we need to take that time to come and dine with our Savior. You notice that invitation wasn't come and wait on me? It wasn't come and wait on the Savior of the world? It was come and dine. He invites us to come and dine with him. He invites us to come and sit at the table with him each and every day. And ultimately, we, we know Jesus at the table is a central figure. He should be the central figure at the table for each one of us. And you think about his life as he was going up. People knew him. 
He was the center of attention. The Pharisees, the religious elites were what? He dines with sinners. They knew who he was. They knew who he was sitting at the table with. They, they knew so much about him, but they never knew him. And there are many people in this world who, who know about him. And, and they'll tell you, oh, I know who Jesus is, but they don't really know him. Because they haven't taken time to come and sit at his table, to dine with him and enjoy fellowship with him. I think it's interesting. Jesus calls us into a relationship with him. And I think of the story of Zacchaeus. Remember, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he couldn't get to Jesus, so he climbed up in a tree. And as Jesus was walking by, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus in the tree. And he actually says this, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Jesus calls someone who was trying to get to see him to come down. He wants that same relationship with us. He wants that same relationship to be able to say, hey, Kathy, today you need to come on down because I need to dine and spend time with you in your house. Hey, Giacomo, today I need to spend time with you in your house. Come and dine with me. Jesus is asking each one of us to come and sit at his table. The problem is most of the time we don't listen to what he's got to say. You know, and it's not about it being this intricate, ornate, uh, you know, 17-course meal. It's about taking that time. You see, in the East, Eastern world, a time for meals is so much different than here. You see, in the East, they actually take time to eat. Here in the West, what do we do? It's how quick can we eat the food and get away from the table? It's not about that time of spend together. We're, we're over in the East and in Europe. It's actually almost ritualistic. They take the time at a meal to not only enjoy each other's company, but to enjoy the food. You see, here we're so quick with this whole fast food image. That, hey, food hit the table. We got to gobble it up because, hey, Price is Right is coming on. Jeopardy's on. The kids, I got to get back to my video game. Or we won't even put our phones down long enough to have a meal or a conversation with who we're with. It's way too quick. Just, hey, gobble it down and be gone. We need to take that time like in the Eastern culture. And when we sit at that table, understand it's time to enjoy food and fellowship. Enjoy that time with each other. And, and we know Jesus needs to be the center of the meal. Every meal that Jesus was a part of, he was the center of the meal. Now understand, remember, Jesus had no home, right? Jesus had no place to live, but yet he was very, felt at home wherever he was. He was generally the host wherever he was. Think about the upper room. He hosted the upper room. Here on the side of the uh, Sea of Galilee, he is hosting this meal. You think about it. Jesus at this resurrection feast not only takes time for food and fellowship, but there's also time for restoration. He restores Peter during this time. And he, he, we know he goes on, he tells Peter to, you know, ask Peter about loving and about taking care of his flock. But Jesus was the center. 
See, he not only invited the disciples to come eat with him, he was their host. In verse 13, it says, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And then, of course, after sharing the meal three times, he would ask Peter, do you love me? And I think this three times represents the three denials that Peter did of him. You know, and, and Peter was all aware of that denial that he had around a different fire. Because it was around that fire that night when he was warming his hands that he denied Jesus for the third time. And now here he is around a fire again with Jesus. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? It brought that restoration to Peter. And he basically tells, take care of my flock, feed my sheep. He restored Peter next to a fire. Having a meal, a simple meal that was simply what? Fish and bread. It wasn't all this fancy stuff. It was a simple, easy meal of fish and bread. So, so as we see this whole story unfold, we, we see that there was that time of food, that time of fellowship and restoration. When is the last time you really sat at a table with someone and had those three things? Food, fellowship and restoration. As Christ's followers, we're called to a ministry of reconciliation. So, so if we're going to reconcile with people, it requires that restoration of the relationship. We can get that restoration simply by inviting someone to a meal. And it doesn't have to be big. Make some hot dogs and some potato salad. Make it simple. Because guess what? It's really not about the food. It's about that conversation. It's about having that conversation and, and being graceful just like Jesus was graceful and allowing these others to receive his grace because each one of us has received his grace. I was reading an article in a magazine and a professor from Dallas Theological Seminary said this, the table is the place where broken sinners find connection and belonging. Despite our best intentions, we all, like Peter, stumbled after Jesus. We desperately need people who will journey with us in our stumbling. We need, to uh, we need to recover table fellowship as a spiritual discipline in order to strengthen the bonds of the spiritual friendships among believers who are walking together on the road. Jesus was restored just like our brothers and sisters should be restored through the grace of Jesus Christ. And we need to offer that grace to others. We need to be willing to put ourselves aside and understand that it's not about everything being perfect because we live in an imperfect world and we're imperfect people. So it's never going to be perfect, but we need to take that time and understand that that's not what it's about. It's about the grace that God has given you through Jesus Christ, that we need to pass on to others. It's not one of those things you put it in your pocket and say, I got my grace, no one else needs any. Because every one of us needs that grace. Grace should be the hallmark of building a community. As we give grace to each other, as we take that time with each other, we, we need to show that grace. And I think sharing the table, as you, you know, think about it, sharing the table, it's uniquely a human thing, 
Because anyone, any other plant, animal, or anything else on earth take time to eat at a table? It's a human thing. So we're made in the image of God. We're given a table. We're different from everything else that we have this table, a place to commune together, have a meal, have food, have fellowship, and give grace to other people. And we don't use it. We, we don't take that time. We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, how, how we don't take that time at the table. Many of us, instead of sitting at the table to have a meal together, we'll sit in front of the TV. Or we'll sit someplace else. We'll sit at our desk, you know, our home desk or whatever it is, or we'll sit on the front porch, but we don't take that time to have a meal together. And most everyone in this room would agree that growing up, we ate together at the table. We sat together at the table, and if you missed dinner, next meal was breakfast. And if you didn't like what was on your plate too bad, you're going to sit there until it's gone. But we took that time at the table. That's the time when our parents would nurture us, would ask about the homework, would ask about how the day was going. We would get life lessons at the table. We can still, to this day, give life lessons at the table to our friends, our family, and our loved ones. We just have to take that time to sit at the table. And if most of you are like me, your, tables, your dining room table's covered with everything else. It's like that catch-all. You know, that's where your keys go. That's where the backpack goes, and everything just sits on the table, so you've got no room to eat at the table. It's time to clean off the table. Clean off the table and actually take time for people to come and sit at the table. You know, as we talked about the Levitical in Leviticus uh, 23, all the different feasts. You notice the feasts were never about the food. The feasts are always about our need for God. Our need for God for our sustenance in life, our need for God to, to provide for us, our need for God in every part of our life. So even when you look at a feast, they were still in the Bible, they were still centered on our need for God. Our table each and every day should still be centered on our need for God. Our need for, to God for our provisions, our sustenance, our fuel to make it through the day can simply start at the table by taking that time, taking it to spend with Jesus. You think like we were talking about the parable that last week we talked about the parable of the banquet, the wedding banquet, and you, you look at the, the great banquet and you ever notice that it's not about the grandeur. It wasn't about the way it was set up. It wasn't about which fork to use or which spoon to use. And, you know, you start on the outside and you work your way in. And I'm sorry if there's that many forks and spoons at a table. I'm using the same fork and the same knife for the whole meal. So you're wasting your time with all the different plates and all that different stuff. I just need one plate, a cup, a knife, and a fork to eat. I don't need all that other stuff on the table. To me, it's a distraction. And I think we get so caught up in that, that we, you know, we, we're so worried about what we're going to look like in the eyes of somebody else. Man, what are they going to do if I serve them on paper plates? What are they going to think of me if I give them a spork? What are they going to think of me if we drink out of red Solo cups? You know, what, what, what are they going to think? Uh, I look back in Luke 14, and, and after the parable, Jesus says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, 
and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's not about all the grandeur. It's not about making it big and pretty. It's about being who he called you to be, being in the humble circumstances. Be humble in your life. It's not about exalting ourselves so we look like, oh, this person's so important. We're not putting on dinner banquets for the elite. That's not who we put dinner banquets on for. If you listen to what Jesus said, if you're going to have a banquet, he tells you, if you're going to host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, and blind. So we're not going to go hang out at the Mar Largo and, and have a big feast. We're going to hang out at Chick-fil-A. Or we're going to come in here and we're going to put some tables up and we're going to just have some hamburgers and hot dogs. But we're going to take that time to fellowship together. We're going to take that time and make it not about us, not about what's on the table, not about anything else, but have Jesus be our centerpiece. And if Jesus is our centerpiece, the rest of it can work itself out because then at that table, you're going to have his grace. You're going to be looking to serve him and looking to do what he's called you to do instead of yourself or trying to boast and impress somebody else. You want to impress someone, impress Jesus by living the life he calls you to live. Impress him instead of trying to impress your neighbors. God created humanity with two great needs. A need to eat and a need for a relationship. Those are two needs each one of us has. And the tables gives us an ability to fulfill both of those needs. A place to sit and eat and a place to have fellowship. It's, it's a place that we can grow together. You know, remember, feasting isn't about indulgence. It's it's actually, feasting is really not a Christian kind of thing. It should be about God and his grace. And it should be focused on him. So whether it's Thanksgiving, Easter, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever feast we go to celebrate with friends and family, we need to make sure that Jesus is the center of it. That Jesus is always the center of it. Heard a story about the Queen of England. And many, many, many years ago, she was out in the countryside and a storm came. And there was this little cottage there. And inside this cottage, this, this old lady lived and the queen went and, and ended up staying there. Hey, I, I need this. The rain's real bad. The storm's real bad. I just need to stay here till the storm's over. And the lady who was there wasn't really nice. She kind of begrudgingly let her kind of stay in a stall someplace. And then once the rain was gone, basically told her she had to leave. Never offered food, drink, or anything like that. And then after the queen left, she thought to herself that if I had only known that I had entertained royalty, each one of us get a chance and have that privilege to entertain royalty at our tables through Jesus and having Jesus be the center of our tables. We are sons and daughters of a king. We are royalty in ourselves, but yet any time, any chance we get to have that meal and give grace to somebody else, you could be entertaining Jesus. You never know who it's going to be. 
It could be someone who is blind. It could be someone who is lame. It could be someone who is homeless. It could be someone who is a millionaire. You never know. But we need to take that time to invite everyone to come and sit at our table. Everyone needs the same invitation to come to our table. And I think that before we can really recognize Jesus at the table, we need to first recognize him as the Christ on Calvary. The one who gave his life for us. The one who is willing to to sacrifice himself for our sins. That was grace. That was grace. See, sharing a meal or even better, sharing many meals over a period of time, it builds that trust, it builds vulnerability and friendships. But we got to remember that Jesus needs to be the center. That when we sit down to recline, that Jesus be the center. If you think about any place that Jesus hosted a meal, he was always the center and everyone would sit and lean in towards him. Now here, technically on the side of the Sea of Galilee, there's no table. So they were sitting in the dirt or sitting on a grass field. Leaning in to Jesus. But then you even think about Jesus, the, the humbleness of Jesus here. It's, it's, he's the one who had to build the fire. Remember, it's not like they had propane charcoal grills. It's not like the grill was, you know, waist high like we see it today. So that means Jesus had to get on his knees and put the coals together, light the fire, gently kneel down and blow on it to get that flame to come. So he had to take this time, then he had to cook the fish, prepare the bread, all to serve it to the disciples, to give it away to others. He humbled himself before it all, because remember it says, just son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And as we try to be like Jesus, we should take that same aspect. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve. So when we gather at that table, we, get that, we need to have that big picture mindset of what Jesus has done for us. Because remember, the table is a place for sharing experiences. It's a place for being vulnerable and encouraging and restoring one another. We can take time at a meal and we can restore relationships. We can restore friendships. We can restore people who are wayward back into the family simply by inviting them to a meal and taking that time to be with them. And I, I think the one thing is that the most spiritual discipline that we can recover as Christians is that table fellowship. You see, in this fast-paced, tech-saturated, attention-deficit disorder culture that we live in, we need to recover that time to just sit at the table. Just sit at the table. Invite people in and show them God's grace. Show them that same grace that you received. Remember, we're all sinners and we all fall short. Every one of us falls short. And I think that we need to take that table fellowship and bring it back. Because in this midst of the world that's lost, lost on matters, both food and the soul, I think we as Christians 
have the ability to change this world by simply asking someone to the table. We, we can change the world by what we eat, how we eat, where we eat, and who we eat with. And you know, I think as we go through this life that maybe before we invite someone to know Jesus, or maybe before we invite someone to church, maybe we should invite people to have a meal. Let them encounter Jesus at the table. Let them encounter Jesus at your table. When's the last time, seriously, you invited someone over for the simple fact of just getting to know them better, of just having a conversation with them? And during that conversation, maybe you can tell them about you, Jesus. Maybe through that time of food and fellowship, you know, and they see that you're a little different, you can tell them, well, you know why I'm different? Because Jesus is the center of my table. And you can tell them, hey, you remember where I used to be. You remember what I used to do. And you've seen a change in me. That change is because I've accepted Jesus and I'm trying to live my life for him. And we all know we got those friends who will be like, well, you know, there ain't no way, man. I'm too messed up. I'm too jacked up. You know how the life that I'm living. And you can just simply tell them. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short. But yet God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how it starts. Give them the grace at your table the same way Jesus has given you grace at his table. And then you can let them know, hey, welcome to our messed up, jacked up family. Because we're all messed up, we're all jacked up, but man, we're all loved. We have a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. So I want to encourage you this week, take time to invite someone to a meal. And don't make it this crazy, high-dollar, expensive, fine-dining China stuff. Invite them over for a simple meal where you can have a simple conversation. Get the food that, we're, that we need. Get the fellowship that we need. And let them experience that grace of God. Amen? And I want to let you know, if you've never accepted Jesus, today is the day of salvation. You can do it today. During this final song, you can come up here. I'll be off to the side. We can talk about it, pray about it, and invite you into this family. And just remember that even though you may accept Jesus here today, when you leave, the world's going to be the same. The same table you left out there is still going to be there when you get there. The difference is going to be you. You are the change. And how you deal with things should be different once you accept Jesus. Remember, we're all going to be imperfect to the day we see him face to face. We are all going to fall short of the glory of God every single day. The difference is we don't fall as far as we did the day before. 
and we work on being more like Jesus each and every day. So if you're not perfect, that's okay. Either am I. If you're still a sinner, that's okay. Welcome to the family. All of us are. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, pastor, you know, my table's been all about me, myself, and I. My table's been all about impressing other people. My table's been about everything except Jesus. Well, maybe today's the day you just need to come up here, leave it at the altar. Come up here, ask him for forgiveness and ask him to help you to focus back on him and on his table and on what he calls you to do. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you that you are the center of it all. Lord, that you are the center of our table and that you should always be the center of our table. And Lord, that at that table we had that time for food and fellowship, which is required for us to continue to live this life. We, we need food to nourish our body and we need fellowship because we're not meant to be alone. So Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts that we will look to see you at the center of the table. And Lord, that we don't worry about everything else, but that we just worry about you and the grace that you give us and the love that you show us each and every day. And Lord, as we go through this week, I urge you that if there's anyone here that does not know you, that they will make that move, that they will come to have that personal relationship with you and that they will invite you to their table so that you can then host them at the table. And Lord, I ask that you just continue to be with us as we focus to be like you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.